Some of you were here Friday evening for our Good Friday service, and it had a whole different feel than today as it was supposed to. And uh, wow, what a day to celebrate. The title of this message is Three Dimensions of Jesus' Resurrection. We're talking about the proof, the promise, and the power of his resurrection this Easter Sunday in 2015. 2012 was a record-breaking year in the movie industry for 3D movies. 26, it says, 26 motion pictures were made in 3D format in 2012. Now, what I didn't understand, what I didn't know before, is that actually 3D format is nothing new. It was patented in 1897 by an English guy, and the first 3D movie was filmed back in 1915. It's been around that long. But now with the advent of, of HDTVs and 3DTVs, it's becoming a big deal once again for people uh, to look at movies in a 3D uh, format. What they're doing is they're going back and they're they're tr- uh, taking old movies, old classic movies that, that were made in black and white, and they're remaking them. Some of them they, they've done in color. You know, they colorized them. I didn't like that at all. I don't know about you. And then now they're making them into 3D movies, the same movie. I was in, you know, when you get older, you spend a lot of time in the doctor's office. I was at the doctor's office and reading uh, in one of the movie magazines that they have there for you to read, right beside the Gideon's Bible, uh, an article about a guy who had watched the same movie three times. He had watched it first time in black and white, the second time in color, and the third time in 3D. And this is what he said, and I think I wrote down most of what... I got the gist of what he said. When I saw the movie in black and white, I got the facts of the story. But when I saw it in color, all of a sudden the story came alive. It got interesting once I saw it in color. Then when I saw it in 3D, I felt like I was a part of the story. I could reach out and touch it. I could feel it. I was actually experiencing it. It was my story, and I was a part of it. I don't know whether you feel that way with... I hate those little 3D glasses that we put on. I don't know whether you feel that way when you go to a 3D movie or not. But I'm hoping we're going to get that experience about the resurrection today. When I read that quote, this little light went off in my brain. And, it, and it's the reason why most people don't get excited about Easter any more than they do. They've never seen it in 3D. They've never seen it before. They've only seen it as a one-dimensional act in black and white. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Yeah, I believe that. So what? Let's get on. They don't get excited about the full message of the resurrection. And the truth is, what happened 2015 years ago split history into B.C. and A.D., Uh, This is the most important event in history. The most important event ever. Nothing even comes close to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, you would have a different birthday date? My friends in Nepal this year 
are celebrating, I think, 5873. That's the year that they're in in Nepal this year. Everything in the world is dated either B.C., before Christ, or A.D., in the year of our Lord. Because Easter split, literally split, history. So it's the most significant event in all of history. But many people say, oh yeah, so what? Big deal. Now let's go get some Easter candy. Easter actually is a three-dimensional event. The first dimension is the proof of the resurrection. The second dimension is the promise of the resurrection. And the third dimension is the power of the resurrection. And let me say it just a little different way here. The first dimension of Easter is about what happened. What happened 2,015 years ago? It's that past event that we've, we've read about here and heard about here already today. The second dimension of Easter is about the future, about what's to come. It's a future expectation. And the third dimension of Easter is about the present power or experience of the resurrection in your own life. You know how you're living right now, all of us in here? Let me tell you, that's only a fraction of what God has in store for your life. He wants so much better for you. We live so far below what God has planned for our lives. We don't even realize that we're living at substandard, if you will. We were made for far, far more than what we're living right now. And you might say, well, George, I'm living the good life. And a lot of people, I mean, you know them, a lot of people are living the good life. If we define it as they would, the good life is looking good, feeling good, and having the goods. But you know what the problem with living the good life is? It ain't good enough. It's not. Why? Because I know a lot of people who look good, feel good, have all the goods... And they're still not satisfied. They say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's, it's over that next hill. When I make my next fortune, I'll be okay. Why? Because you were made for far more than this life. So as we get ready to go into this message, pray with me. Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the proof and the promise and the power of the resurrection. Open our hearts and our minds today to hear these simple words that I'm saying. Speak to each one of us through your Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, let me get out of the way, and you do the talking. Uh, help us to take away from this, each individually, the thing that you brought us here for in the first place this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today, let's look at that event that happened 2015 years ago from the past and from the future and from the present experience, all three dimensions together. First, the proof of the resurrection. What is the proof of the resurrection? Well, Jesus made some outrageous claims. Some, he was, 
some of these were the most outrageous claims that have ever been made in history. Nobody else would even come close to some of the claims he made. He said things like this, John 10, 30 says, I and the Father are one. He and God are one. He didn't say it once, he said it multiple times. So either he was a liar, he knows what he's saying and he's deceiving everybody around him, or he's a lunatic, meaning he doesn't really know what he's saying, but he's saying it anyway, or he's the Lord, he's telling the truth. And he says things like this, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me show you an example of one of Jesus' claims about the proof of the resurrection. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 40 from the English Standard Version, he says, he's talking about Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man. Son of Man was a phrase that, that Jesus used more than any other phrase to refer to himself. Just as uh, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He was saying, I'm going to be dead for three days. He started off talking to the people around him in metaphors. But as his death gets closer, he starts saying stuff like this. Matthew 17, 22. Jesus told the people, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. One week before he was crucified, he starts heading for Jerusalem from Galilee, and he knows he's going to be killed. The others don't, but he knows that's what's ahead of him. And he tells in graphic Words exactly what's going to happen to him a week before it actually happens. Jesus says this in Matthew 20, verse 18. We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? What is he saying here? He's saying that the resurrection is going to prove who he really is. And it did. It proved his identity. We, we could go through uh, a whole list of other proofs. And if, if you want to explore some of those, come to the next Alpha course we have. We look at some of the proofs, some of the evidence behind the death and resurrection of Jesus. The proof of the resurrection is this. Jesus proved that he is God. And this claim was so well known by the critics even of Jesus. Even the people that put him to death knew about it. And they said something like this. Matthew 27, verse 62. The next day, the chief priest, the next day after, after he was dead, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said... 
We remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. See, they had read their scriptures. They knew what was taking place. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate said. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Did Jesus keep his word? Yes, he did. Obviously he did. He came back to life. That's why today two-thirds of the world are celebrating Easter. And that's why your birthday and my birthday is dated according to this event because Jesus did prove that he was who he said he was. A lot of people just don't understand about those many, many, many proofs that, that uh, we could look at. Uh, all through the Bible, all through other historical data, you can find it. Jesus walked around for another 40 days after, after he was resurrected which is why within 15 years, 15 years of the resurrection in Jerusalem, a city that only had 200,000 people in it, the church in Jerusalem grew to about 100,000 people. Half of the people in Jerusalem belonged to the church. Why were there 100,000 believers in Jerusalem just 10 or, or 15 years after these 12 guys were following him around? Because almost everybody in Jerusalem had seen him walking around somewhere, doing something. Now, if I said to you, this morning before church, I stopped by Publix and I picked up a bagel and some coffee, and you know what? Angelina Jolie was in there. You'd doubt me, wouldn't you? You'd think... He did not see Angelina Jolie in Publix on Easter morning in North Myrtle Beach. And you'd have every reason not to believe me. But if 900 witnesses said, we've seen her too. She's actually been here for 40 days. And yeah, we had her over for dinner two nights ago. We heard her do a speech at City Hall. Yeah, she was working out in the gym with me yesterday, and another said I saw her over by the Cherry Grove Pier getting a tan. You should see her new swimsuit. It's incredible. She was jogging down Ocean Boulevard with Andy Griggs. All of a sudden, 900 eyewitnesses say, we've seen her in different places. We've seen her in different circumstances. And one says, I went to a party with 500 people, and she was there. She was the center of attention. That's the facts in black and white. That's just one-third of the story, though. Jesus died on the cross and rose again to prove who who he was. But he did it for much more than that reason. The proof has to do with what happened 2015 years ago. The promise of the resurrection is what's going to happen in the future because of what Jesus did 2015 years ago. And now this kind of gets exciting here. The proof of the resurrection. Jesus proved that he was God. But what is the promise? The promise of the resurrection is Jesus will resurrect me. 
He's going to resurrect me. Hello, you've got my attention now. Now I'm part of the story. I'm seeing it in living color. Jesus, who was crucified, has made an outrageous claim that he is going to resurrect you after you die. He not only proved that there is life after death, but he also offers it to you. He wants to give you eternal life. And the promise of the resurrection is that death is no longer the end. There's life beyond the grave. Jesus proved it, and he says, If you trust in me, death becomes a transition, not an ending point. One day, yeah, your heart's going to stop. And that's going to be the end of your body and my body. But it's not going to be the end of you because God made you to last forever. That's why you often have that feeling that, man, there's got to be more to life than this because there is more to life than this. So Jesus made this amazing promise. Amazing promise in John 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's quite a promise, isn't it? We think about that. We hear that read a lot at funerals, but we think about that. Even though he dies, he will live. Wow. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says this, Paul is writing in his letter to the Corinthians and says, by his power, we sang about this this morning, by his power God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. I like that part. I'm glad, I'm glad that Jesus came back to life, but I like the part where he says he's going to raise me too. That's getting interesting. It's coming out of black and white and going into living color. Easter is 3D, past, future, and present. And the first dimension of Easter is the proof of the resurrection. Jesus proved who he, who he said he was. It's, it's factual. It's, it's not a myth. It's not a legend. It actually happened. And there are hundreds of eyewitnesses. It split history into B.C. and A.D. The second dimension is the promise of the resurrection. It, it hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen in the future. God's going to take you to heaven because of what Jesus did in paying for your sins. Now we need to look at the power of the resurrection. And this is the one that can change you. This is the one that can change me. The third dimension, the power of of the resurrection. It's transformational. It will change your life. It'll give you the power to work out the problems of your life right now, right this very minute. So what is the third dimension of the resurrection? The power of the resurrection is this. Jesus offers the power of his Holy Spirit to me every day, every day. Jesus offers you the same power that raised him from the dead. 
hey, now I'm in the story. Now it's 3D. The third dimension is it's not an event. It's not an expectation. It's a daily experience. It's something I experience every day of my life. Unfortunately, most of the people in the world never quite get there. Even a lot of Christians never get there. There are a lot of people who acknowledge the proof. I believe Jesus is who he said he is. And there are a lot of people who accept the promise. I believe he's going to save me and take me to heaven. But very few people access the power. And that's why their lives are no different than anybody else's life around them. And the Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. This is from the message paraphrase. Jesus include, included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Did you know that there's very... that there's very little in this world that is better than the life that we can have? We've tried to live on our own, haven't we? I've tried to live on my own. You've tried to live on your own. How's that going? Okay for a while, and it may look good to the people around us, but we know, don't we? We know. We know. If you heard that there's a better life than you're living right now, wouldn't you want to know about it? Wouldn't you want your friends to know about it? Of course you would. That better life is being plugged into the power source. And that's why Paul says this in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Knowing Christ was not enough. Knowing the power of his resurrection is what Paul wanted. That's the third dimension, living. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Leads us to the big idea. The big idea for today is the power of the resurrection is the power to let go of my past. What are you holding on to in your past? What is it there that's dragging you down, keeps tugging at your shirt tail, bringing you back to where you were before? The power of the resurrection is the power to let go of my past. Most people are stuck in the past. They've got grief, they've got guilt, they've got grudges, they've got hurts and, and habits and hang-ups. The power of the resurrection is the power to start over again. I've talked to you a couple of times about Etch-a-Sketch. You know Etch-a-Sketch? You know, you draw that little picture on Etch-a-Sketch, and, and if you don't like it, it never turns out the way you want it to. If you don't like it, you just turn it upside down, shake it, and it's a brand new screen again. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, you get to start over. Start over with nothing there on the screen. That's important because, I don't know about you, I mess up a lot. I mess up a lot. 
The power of the resurrection is the power to keep going when you're out of your own energy because God gives you the energy to keep going. The power of the resurrection is the power to change your life. You can't change the things in your life you want to change because of willpower. Willpower just doesn't work. It works for, let's say, maybe six months, tops. You have a limited supply of willpower, and pretty soon you run out of it and you give up. You go off that diet, off the sobriety, back on the drugs, off the whatever it is you, you, you're dealing with, and you go back to the bad habits, back to the bad relationships, and you start doing the same things that you were doing when you messed up in the first place. You need more than willpower. You can live the good life for a while on willpower. You can't live the better life on it. God always wants the better life for you. Don't settle for good. He wants the best. Why? Because it takes God's power, the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like? I mean, really, what does it look like? What, is it, what does the power of the Holy Spirit do for you? What is this better life that I keep talking about? Well, I could talk till I'm blue in the face and you wouldn't. I, I couldn't uh, change your opinion. But I have a friend I want to introduce you to. A friend of mine named David Riley. David, come on up.